I am so excited for this year. Um, so much has happened in the last couple of years, and so much is going to be happening in this year to come. And we get to do it together. We get to see lives change together, lives grow together. Uh, sometimes that can be a challenging process, really challenging. Uh, but it's always rewarding. Even in the midst of the valley when things are, are hard and uh, sometimes uh, people don't get along and there's friction, it's on the other side that there's just blessing and you look back and you see, oh, now I get it. Now I get what God has been trying to do uh, this week, uh, this month, this year, this last decade. I can see where he's going. And there are challenges uh, to each and every one of us. Uh, and that includes what happens every single Sunday here. D- you know, if you... If you'd like some interesting reading, some reading that is just dramatic and takes turns that you never saw coming and has awkward conversations as well as rewarding conversations, read the four books in your Bible that talk about the life of Jesus. They're known as the Gospels, the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Jesus, when he showed up, you'd think uh, that because who he was, that everybody would respect him, everybody would listen to him, everybody would say, oh, wait, 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 here he comes. Let's ask him what he thinks. But what we find out is that actually rarely happened. Instead, we didn't uh, go and seek the Son of God and say, hey, you know God, you're pretty tight with him. How should, we, uh, how should we think? How should we talk? How should we act? No. What really happened is there were a whole bunch of people who had already predetermined what God wanted, what God liked, who God liked, when God liked them, and based upon those criteria, then they would decide how we should talk, how we should act, how we should live, how we should dress, things that we should do in church, things that we shouldn't do in the church. And do you know that that challenge has gone on every generation since when it comes to meeting, following this man we call Jesus? It's no strange uh, uh, opinion when someone says, you know, church, I, I, just, I just don't want to be a part of all that. And you know what? I get it. I get it. It doesn't take too many headlines, especially for people who really don't like the church, to find the headlines that they would like to propose about the church to say, here's why you don't want to be there on Sunday morning. excuse me, here's why you don't want to be there. There are people there that do really bad things. Really? I never knew that. I never knew. Now listen, I'm not making fun of some poor decisions that some people have made. People who are in leadership in the church, any church, you pick the name. Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostal, this church, that church, whatever. There have always been people who have made really, really bad decisions at the worst possible time, right? Yeah, it's always been that way. But you do realize that church is not a gathering of people who have figured it out. 
It's a gathering of people who are trying to figure it out. Church is not a gathering of people who are perfect, but rather imperfect. And they know it. I know it. So rethinking the church is something that I think you and I ought to do as often as possible. Because if there's anything that Satan's going to do, he's going to say, you don't need this place. When in reality, for the most part, the reason you're here right now is because you think you do. Or better even stated, you know that you do. There's the struggle that takes place in every heart and in every mind for all of us most of the time. We have this innate understanding because we were made this way to want to live a life that is right and is good and that honors God. And sometimes we're trying to figure out who God is and what God wants and what right is and what it means to honor what's right. We struggle with all of that. And for the most part, there are some things that every single one of us can agree on, but there's a whole bunch more that we disagree on. And we tend to focus on the things that we disagree. And we come to find out that most of the time, the things that we disagree on don't really matter. Right? Because the things that we do agree on, those usually aren't the things that we argue about. Those aren't the things that that stir up wonderful family conversations around the dinner table. No, it's the things that usually sift down into what we call opinion that sometimes we get the most exercised about. And sometimes we'll even end relationships, walk away from people. And then toward the end of our lives, when we come to realize that there really are just a few things that you and I can usually count on one hand that really, really matter. We'll say we wish we wouldn't have got so frustrated over the things that didn't because I miss my friend. I miss my kids. I miss God. You know, when Jesus showed up, as I said, it, uh, you'd think it would have been a whole lot more of respect and reverence, but it was actually a whole lot more of challenges and revilement. I mean, in more than a few places in those four books I mentioned, the people who were the religious leaders of the day conspired to have him killed. That seems just a little bit over the top. One of the reasons they did that is because they thought that Jesus was taking some of their most sacred rules and turning everything upside down. Now, I don't know if you know what that feels like. I don't know if you know what it feels like to have someone come in and say, I know that you think this is true, but it's actually not true. 
I know that you think that this matters, but it actually doesn't matter. Anybody ever felt that before? I have. Oh, I, guys, uh, I'm here to tell you, 20, 25 years ago, there were some things I thought that were really, really important, and I was an absolute jerk about it. I mean, an arrogant, obnoxious, religious jerk. I used to sometimes think people, if they raised their hands in worship, they were only making it about themselves. And every once in a while, I'd talk about it. And I wasn't really nice. I was an absolute sinner thinking that I was saving God from them. And I was a jerk about it. I used to think if certain people didn't uh, think the way that I thought about scriptures, that they were the sinners. And I was the righteous one. Because you know, when it was all said and done, I knew what I was talking about. (laughs) At 28. (laughs) Wasn't even a father yet. Hadn't even... Well... It doesn't matter. You get the point. I was a jerk. And I look back and I... You know the biggest biggest regret I have about all of that? All those times in my life where there were things that I thought I knew that come to find out I didn't know them. And I was standing not on solid ground, but on shaky sand. When it's all said and done, you know the greatest regret I have for all that? It's not the humiliation. It's not the misunderstanding. It's the fact that I may have prevented someone from getting closer to Jesus. That's the worst thing. And the irony is, is I was seeking to to, to, uh, obtain an education to do exactly the opposite, to bring people closer, and yet what I was doing was pushing them farther away. I had to rethink. I had to rethink. And God needed to beat me over the head. Oh my goodness. But even then, He was so gracious about it. And some of these conversations that He had with me, I kind of awkwardly read again when Jesus was having them with Men who called themselves Pharisees. Pharisee, if you ever read that, when you get into Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, Pharisees really, in Shan's paraphrase version, uh, a guy who knew a lot about religion, but not enough about God. That's my definition. Knew all the rules. Knew when to stand up and when to sit down and all the words to the songs and all the wonderful these and thous and bestoweths about prayer time. But it wasn't necessarily being really, really close to God. It was doing the things that God, that they thought God wanted them to do. And I get it. I understand it because I used to think the same way. But then Jesus shows up. He says, that's not who God is. That's not what God likes. 
and he began to talk about the things that God likes and the things that please God. And they were, lots of people were stunned, as you and I have been, to find out the things that really God is impressed with. And it didn't take too much reasoning to come, oh, you know, I actually like that better than the rules that I've come up with, the things that I thought mattered. There's a challenge that goes on between uh, uh, you and I and God all the time. Why? Because we want to do the things that are right, but lots of times we like to combine the things that we think are right with the things that we like. You know, <clears throat> we uh, listen. And, and just for example, this happens right now. Every sing- uh, it, for about one half of the year, it happens every single Sunday afternoon. Every, not Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Now, on Sunday afternoons, there's this thing called sports. And and in sports, there there are guys that wear uniforms that have colors that we like and colors that we don't. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not talking about anything that they actually do on the field. I'm talking about the way that we perceive them just simply because they wear a color shirt that we don't happen to like. For instance, the guys that wear the shirts that we like, they're really good guys. They take care of their families and say good things. And when they hit people on the field, they always do it the legal and best way. And the guys that wear the shirts that we don't like, they don't have good families. When they hit people on the field, they always break the rules. And when the referees don't throw these small yellow squares of cloth, when the referees don't throw those things, the referees, they're bad guys. They can't see. They worked around. They thought about it before the game, and they worked it out that they would not call things against the the team that we don't like, and they would call things against the good guys who have always been good. I mean, there are books of the Bible named after Belichick. I mean, it's got to be that. It has to be that way, right? Doesn't it? Now, the the funny thing is, we're laughing right now. But a lot of people think like that. And the sad thing is, we actually cross some of those behaviors into Sunday morning as well. And it's got nothing to do with Jesus. To give you just an example of how it happened with Jesus, in the Uh, second gospel that I mentioned, the book of Mark, in the second chapter, there's a little interesting interaction. Now, it's not isolated. It takes place in a great conversation between, uh, that is going on between Jesus and the Pharisees. And actually, it's kind of a a continuing one that goes on. But in Mark chapter 2, starting with the 23rd verse, says one Sabbath, that's the day. Now, I need to take a time out and just, that's the day. It's kind of like our Sunday. And, and to, to paraphrase, you only did what you were allowed to do on a Sabbath day. There was only so much that you could, and you weren't allowed to work. What does work mean? Whatever they decided it was. Okay? And, and I'm exaggerating for the sake of the emphasis. It was whatever the, the, the people who were in charge at the time decided what work was. And there are certain things that you needed to do and certain things that you, you couldn't do. And so because of that, when Jesus shows up and he tends to do something that they're not sure that they think is against the rules, they were going to 
I mean, they, they're going to get mad. Kind of like we do. Or have. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And just generally speaking, they were working. You're not allowed to do that. Why were they picking heads of grain? Because they were hungry. They're walking through the grain fields. Uh, They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? If you don't know, David in the history of the Jewish people was one of their kings. Years and years before this event happened, David was a a respected king in their heritage. David and his priests did. In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread. Years ago, when, uh, before Jesus was alive, uh, if you walked into the temple building, on one side of the room, there was a table that had some special bread that would be there, and it would be there all the time. And it was for uh, people that were working in there, not for uh, even the king or people that weren't allowed to go into that room. And anyway, because David was hungry, he went in and he ate the bread. All right, and this is what Jesus says. In the days of Abiathar the priest, he entered the house of God and ate some consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to him, and this is the point here, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I want to put out two points right here. The first one is what Jesus said when he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Let me make this really, really simple because I know that there's some cultural context that escape us because we weren't there and we're not a part of that culture. But basically what they were saying is that a day like this, like we're doing right now, was not made for you, but for God. And Jesus flips it around, saying, no, the day was made for you and me. And the reason why that important truth needed to be stated by Jesus, you know what happens, you know what men do, whether it's the, the century that David lived in or the century that Jesus lived in or the century that you and I live in, we tend to make up rules. Not based necessarily upon what's right, but remember what I said? We tend to make the rules in accordance with what we like and what we think is right. So we'll make up rules that when you go to church, you have to dress a certain way. Right? The Bible doesn't talk about that. The Bible talks about hearts and minds. Not Shoes and shirts. When you go to church, you have to sing songs certain ways. Bible just talks about hearts that praise God. Do you guys know that wars, literal battles, have started over stuff like this? All over the world throughout the centuries. And Jesus, in one sentence, says, no, 
This day wasn't made for God. It was made for you and me. And it was made for you and me so that we wouldn't be so focused on the things that we want to do, but really be focused on what God, how much God has done for us. So we would only work six days during the week, not seven, because otherwise we'd work really hard to get more and we'd take advantage of somebody else that might not be working on that particular day and, and we wouldn't rest. And if we wouldn't rest, we'd get cranky. And if we get cranky, then we get mad. And if we get mad, we have wonderful conversations with our wives and everything goes really, really well after that. Right? So instead, God says, I want you to just have a time when you focus on me. I want you to have a time where you focus on being happy and being thankful. Because this day, even though it's about me, it's for you. It's my gift to you. To take a rest. To just see somebody and have, uh, just have a great conversation with somebody that you haven't talked to all week long. To just laugh. And to be encouraged about raising teenagers, right? About having new babies. About crying together because you got a bad report from the doctor. Or even worse. Instead, we tend to sometimes make it about things that don't matter. Instead of sins being forgiven, sometimes it's about sins being remembered. That's not what God gave. So when Jesus says Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, it turned all those preconceived understandings upside down. And if you thought that was big, the next sentence was like Thor taking his hammer and going, boom. He says, the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. In other words, hey, guys, I am in charge. And if I say it's good, it's good. Now, what Jesus was not doing was... uh, saying, I'm bigger, I'm badder, you're nothing, you're, ba- you're horrible. That's what he wasn't. I want to encourage you. Because sometimes when we make up the rules, uh, people walk around on tiptoes, and, and, and even, even in the best of circumstances, people walk into church and they wonder, do I do the right thing? Do I say the right thing? Did I stand the right way? Did I sing the right way? Did I, did I, did I talk when I was allowed to talk? Did I say something? I, I, I don't know. Because, because if you walk into church, the perception is, I, I just want to please God. I don't want to be. I don't want to be in a bad circumstance with him. I just want. I, I'm so tired of trying to make the right decision or the wrong decision. I just want someone to tell me what does God want. And sometimes if we make it up about wearing a tie or wearing a dress or or singing this song that way or that song this way, then and then people walk in and say, "Did I, God? Are you happy with that?" When Jesus is saying, "Listen, enough." The Son of Man is Lord over even the Sabbath day, which means if Jesus says you're okay, you're okay. 
And if Jesus says he loves you, he loves you. And if Jesus says he died for you so that you could have a relationship with God, that will work. And that's the point. That's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're on this track. Because we believe that helping people to find and follow Jesus is the top of the things that matter. And when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter whether I grew up in Buffalo and cheer for the Bills and I'm lurking in a place that's uh, two softball throws from uh, Foxborough, that doesn't matter. It, I, I know right now you're thinking, no, no, wait a minute. I think that's pretty close. Okay? No, actually it doesn't. It doesn't. Sheila, when your basement had water in it, did you care whether I was a Bills fan? You just want my help. That's right. I don't care. I don't care who you cheer for when you love my kids when they show up once or twice a year. And you pray for them and you bless them and you don't even know who they are, but you love them. Because that's what matters. That's it. See, because there's a struggle that we have between the things that we think are religious and the things that we think are spiritual and sometimes the things that are a part of Jesus that aren't necessarily religious or spiritual. And we're trying to figure out how it all works. Basically, religion and shans, these are my definitions and my understanding. Religions are those, religion is that, that rules, the way that you're supposed to act on Sunday. The things that we think God's going to be pleased with, so we'll say that when we think God's listening. And we'll do that when we think God's watching. Now, spirituality is different from that in the contemporary context. Spirituality is the, really the desire to have a good and a moral life. But the problem is, sometimes we think things are good that aren't really good and things that are moral that are actually not moral. And we struggle with that because we're, sometimes we'd like to walk the line. We like to get the benefit of really living a good life, but we're not sure whether living that good life that way at that moment really will be a blessing in the long run. And when we decide that there are things that we want to do and we thought they were right at, the, at that time, but then they turn out to really not work out so well. And, we, and, and living a good life and living a moral life and doing the things that we, that we think would please God turns out to not please God, not be good, and not be moral. Then what do we do? Where are we at? We show up on church sometimes, we walk into a building and, and we're wearing jeans and a shirt with, 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 with it not being tucked in and somebody goes, hey. And they walk on. And you say, oh, if only I'd have known God wants me to tuck my shirt in. All this time. And that sounds silly, doesn't it? Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. Because Jesus is Lord, not just of the Sabbath, but the Sabbath too. And everything before and after which is why I'm going to do what I can to learn about Him 
to hear what he said, to try and do the things he says he wants me to do, which is why we here want to say our number one goal in life is to help people find him because if you've, if you've struggled like I just talked about dealing with religious things and then spiritual things and then who's this Jesus guy and what did, he, what did he really say? Well, let's talk about that. So we can help you to find him and having found him, because we know if you meet him, you're going to like him. And once you come to meet him and like him, you're going to want to follow him because you find out he talks about the things that matter. That's the hope. So when I, in the next couple of weeks, when I'm talking about rethinking the church, you're going to hear things like relationships, not rituals. Followers, not fans. Believers, not buildings. We're talking about the things that matter. And each of those uh, Sundays in the the weeks to come, just a couple things I want you, here's how I want you to see Here's how I want, here's the, the way that I would like for you to look and to view things. First of all, I want you to look up. I want you to look up. Because if you're looking up, the idea is that you're looking to God. God, what do you want me to do today? God, I'm having a hard time figuring out which way to go. Can you help me? Not rolling the, the church dice, if you will, to try and figure out whether singing the right song was the was, that pleased God today. No, it's actually a little bit more significant. The way that I talk to my wife today, God, is that good? The way that I, I took care of my kids today, God, does that please you? The way that I worked at my job today, God, did I honor you? Because if I'm wearing your name, uh, there are people who are going to know that I'm wearing your name. And if I'm walking into that business, if I'm walking into that place, God, am I living a life that brings you glory or not? I want you to look up. And see, I want you, when you come in on Sundays, to understand that every single one of us are trying to look up. I'm not comparing you with me or, or, or me with you. I'm looking up. I'm, I'm doing good enough just to keep me right. I got no business trying to have an opinion as to whether you are or aren't right, unless you ask me. I'm trying to do this. What, how have you, did you ever, oh man, I, I know where you are. I, I was just talking, just talk, who, who was I talking with about uh, teenagers this morning? Right, yeah, yeah, we're talking, I got teenagers. Oh, I've been there. Stop right now. Just turn them over for about three years and then come back, you know. No, 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 no. It's not, I, I had a blast. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. But see, I can say that. And so we help one another while we're looking up. Because it's about living a life that pleases him. That's why we're here. I want you to look up. Secondly, I want you to look out. While you're sitting here, just literally or figuratively, look around. Look at all the different people. 
Look at the things that they're going through, the things that they've gone through. The different color of their skin, the different color of their hair. They have kids, they had kids. They used to be married and now he's gone. The Lord took him home. And the different lives that we live and, and for the people that are, are, are looking for, for God and trying to follow him and while they're looking up and you're encouraged by them and, and you get to encourage others. And it's not just looking out or around here. It's also looking out there. I got a surprise for you. You, um, it, 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 you want to be here next Sunday. Next Sunday, we've got a video that's going to show you the gratitude of all the people. A couple of weeks ago when we had all the gifts around that tree, all the people that you gave them to said thank you. And they've got short videos and we're putting, we've got the montage together, we're going to show it because that's what it's all about. That's how we work together. That's how we grow together. That's how we do that. And we're reaching out and, and I just need to say thank you so much. You know, we, we put out a, a little more than a week ago about the family that uh, had the tragic fire and lost everything and, and even a couple of family members and many of you gift cards and I've got this piece of furniture and you can do that. That's looking out. That's finding out what our, what our people in our community need and how they're hurting. And it, and it doesn't matter whether they even come here or not. We care for them because they're hurting and they're overwhelmed. And we can make a difference. And every once in a while, some of them might even say, why did you do that? And they said, well, because God's been good to me when I didn't deserve it. And so I'm going to be good to you and you do deserve it. I'm going to be helpful. Because we, we don't want to just say, hey, the light only shines on Sunday morning at 10.30. That's the only time the light shines. And hey, if you can't get here, you missed it. We don't want to do that. You know why? Because I used to. God, forgive me. Don't, don't do that. Don't. We don't come here for the light. We carry it out. That's what we do. So look up. Look out. And lastly, look in. Oh. I spent the last two days in a car. Oh, and it rained. We left Memphis on Friday morning and drove to Roanoke, and it rained. And then we left Roanoke yesterday morning and drove here, and it rained. Oh. But while it was raining and while I was driving, I just thought, God, you are so good. I got to spend time with my kids and with my friends and with my family. And I got to do, I, I got to get, I went across the country in less than two days. And while I was doing that, my wife actually pulled out a contraption that kind of looks something like this. And, and she hit, a, hit it a couple times. And before you know it, my daughter's face was on the screen. And we got to talk while we were in the car, while it was moving, and she actually heard what I was saying, and she actually saw my face. Now, I was driving. 
I wasn't, I was just driving. But, God, you are so good. And while I was driving, I got to hold on with one hand and drink the divine elixir. All right? Coffee. I mean, everybody knows that. So, yeah, just, I got to enjoy a cup of coffee, look at my daughter, drive, and cover the... You get the point. And you know what? I don't deserve it. I'm really not that good of a guy. There are times when I think things I shouldn't think. And because I think things I shouldn't think, I say things I shouldn't say and do things I shouldn't do. And none of them please God. Yet because of the grace that he gives and the love that he has for me, he continues to bless me and be good to me and be gracious to me. And every once in a while, I just shake my head and I say, God, you... You're so good. I look in and I don't see the guy that you see. And I'm so grateful that you see someone that's better because there's lots of times I don't see him. See, Sunday is the time that we gather together to try and be the one that God already sees me the way. Kind of like my dog, you know? What's that old adage? I'm going to try and be the person my dog thinks I am. I'm going to make it a lot more eternal. I'm going to try and be the person that Jesus died for. Look in. Look out. And look up. It's time to rethink who we are and why we do the things that we do. Because it really does matter. One of the things that we do each and every week is we have communion. And when we do that, we are remembering exactly what Jesus did. He died on the cross for the mess that I made, for the mess that you have made. And in doing so, um, we remember, and and we need to, the reason why we do this each and every week, not just necessarily once a quarter or once a year or on special holidays, we do because we need to be reminded. We're, we're forgetful. There are things that we think we thought we would remember, but we don't. And we, we need to remember what Jesus has done for us. And so uh, each week, uh, there's a tray. You can see the, the people getting them right now. There's a tray that we have. And in the middle of that tray are some small pieces uh, uh, of cracker, which, and that, that bread, that dried bread is reminiscent or representative of the body of Jesus that hung on the cross for our sin. And around that tray of bread are small cups of juice that are representative of the blood of Jesus. And when we take them, we're just remembering. We're looking up. We're looking out because we're doing it with one another. And we're looking in, God, you still love me. I didn't feel very lovable this week, but you still love me. You died for me. And because of all that, I'm going to do my absolute faithful best to live for you this week. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for all that you do. God, we, my goodness. 
we seem to remember the things that aren't so good. And when we talk to you about it, you, you seem to have forgiven it all. Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life. So grateful for the family that you've given me. So grateful for this place that you've brought me to. These wonderful people who love you and want other people to know who you are. God, we're trying our best. Even when we try our best, sometimes we make a mess of it. But even that, Lord, you take the mess and you turn it into something beautiful. You do that all the time. Our lives are a testimony of that. This place is a testimony of that. So God, as we remember what you did for us, Lord, we consecrate again our lives to you. Thank you so much. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.